I don't know if you feel this um, internal tension like I do, but I, I go through life kind of feeling a pull in two different directions. Um, one of those things is I feel this pull to kind of adapt to the world around me, to become like the environment around me. I don't know if you feel that, but I, I felt that all through life, especially felt it in school. And then the moment I said yes to Jesus, the moment I, I, I by faith, began to follow him, I all of a sudden realized that there's a pull now in a new direction. There's a pull to live different than the rest of the world around us. I don't know if you feel that, but it's a tension. Because here's what I've discovered is when you try to follow Jesus, you're going to find out real fast that the culture around you has a different ideal. The culture around you has a different way of doing things. In fact, you'll even notice this if you do it long enough, that the culture around you kind of will mock people who are different. If you try to live different than the world around you, let me just tell you, you're going to feel it. Whenever you try to go against the grain of society, you're going to feel it. If you try to live with a different set of morals than the rest of culture, you're going to hear about it. If you're someone who's young and you're going, but I'm going to wait until marriage and we're going to protect, I'm going to keep myself pure sexually until marriage. That is something that culture is going to make fun of. Because we feel this pull in two different directions. But also as I've gotten a little older and I've experienced it, I've also recognized that there's an irony in it. Like, Like for example, when I was a kid in high school, I remember so badly wanting to be like everybody else in school. There, there's that pull when you're in school. I, I wanted to like dress like um, some of the kids in school, but they were popular and they had the coolest clothes. Or I remember this one kid, Will, I wanted to, to have shoes like he had because he had a different pair of Air Jordans for the, every day of the week. I wanted that. I wanted to be able to dance like Michael. I wanted to be like, I wanted to be like everybody else. And in school, and, and especially that time of life, we find ourselves just wanting to fit in. But here's what I've discovered as I got a little older. The moment I got to the other side of kind of live life a little bit, you know what I discovered? I discovered there's a difference between the people who kind of fall into the backdrop of society versus those who actually are different. And the people who are different are the ones that impact the world. Like, for example, you know, if you ever go back, and maybe this is something to do when you get a little older, you ever go back and kind of look everybody up in school. You might be surprised to find out that that nerdy, dorky, real smart kid that didn't have a lot of friends and always got made fun of was the one that actually created something that impacted the world and is now a millionaire. Right? Or you get that girl that just didn't have a lot of friends and she was kind of emotional, a little weird, and no one sat with her. So she just had her notebook and she just wrote her feelings out all the time. She ended up becoming a platinum recorded artist. And then there's the kids who were the popular ones, and they were the one that was really popular that got invited to all the parties. You check in, you find out that person actually has an addiction now. And all of a sudden you realize that that being like everyone else is overrated. Can I say that? Being like everyone else is overrated. Becoming a cultural minion. Remember the little yellow creatures? They all look alike? Becoming a cultural minion is not what God has in store for you if you're a follower of Jesus. Can you hear me today? Okay, that's not what God's plan is for you to just fit into the backdrop of society. And I actually believe that the people that are willing to step into different, even if it's hard, are the ones that experience all that God has for them. And they're the ones that change the world. And if there's anyone that understood about being different, it was Jesus. 
Jesus, when he showed up, he was very different, right? When Jesus showed up and started to teach, everybody said they were shocked. The Bible says they were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not like the rest of the religious leaders. In other words, Jesus taught like he wrote the book, because he did. And there was something different about Jesus. When Jesus shows up, he began to do things that everybody else didn't do. He began to go hang out with the people that everybody else said were outcasts. He went and hung out with the tax collectors and the the sinners and the religious people said, why would you do something like that? And Jesus really came and he said, I didn't come to fit in. I came to be different. I came to show you something that's different. In fact, one of the, probably one of the most famous sermons that he ever preached and And honestly, I think it's a sermon he preached over and over again. We refer to it as the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew 5 through 7. Maybe this week you go read it. What you discover, if you don't know who Jesus is, is that the things he talked about were so different in his day. Jesus would say things all the time. There was this phrase that he used over and over in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you've heard it was said. What he was basically saying was, this is how the world does it. This is how everybody operates. He said things like this, you've heard it said, if someone strikes you on the cheek, do what? Give him the other. Ha ha, hit harder next time. You can't like, I, I don't know if that's what it means, but, but he's saying, turn the cheek. That's weird, that's strange. That's not what we do. If somebody hits you, you tag them back, right? I'm just defending myself. Jesus said, no, 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 do it different. Do it different. He said, if someone sues you for your shirt, now again, that's weird, doesn't fit well in our context, but let's say they sue you for something else. He said, if someone sues you for your shirt, give them your coat. What? Why would I do that? Why would I go beyond? He said this, if a soldier forces you to carry his pack for one mile, okay, that was something that the Romans would do just to crush the Jewish people. They could, anytime they want, just throw their 50, 60, 80 pound sack on them and say, you carry this so my donkey doesn't have to. He said, go two miles. Wow. Or, or he said this one, you probably heard this. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and bless those who curse you. Can I just tell you, that is different. Okay, the things that Jesus said, the things he did, they went against the grain. And listen, sometimes when I read those, I think to myself, that seems unfair. I don't want to do that. Why would I live different like that? Here's why. I really believe Jesus understood that to live different than the rest of the world is actually to live better. That you can actually experience a better life if you will follow the teachings and the methods of Jesus, even if they're different. And that's what we've been talking about. In fact, today, I want to talk specifically about an area in our culture that I see that we are so overwhelmed by. And Jesus actually speaks to it. He speaks right into the 21st century, 2,000 years ago, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. So you got a Bible with you, if you bring one. If you don't have one, you can stop off the next steps. We'd love to give you a Bible. If you've got an electronic device, I want to pick up in the middle of this message, this very different message found in Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to hear what Jesus said starting in verse 25. He said this, therefore I tell you, do not what? Everybody say that word out loud with me. Do not, come on, say it again. Do not, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more, or are you not much more valuable than they? I love this verse uh, 27. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? What's he saying? He's saying worry doesn't work. Worry doesn't work, right? Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the followers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? What is Jesus saying? He's saying, don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry, be happy. That's a great song. That is not what Jesus is saying. Don't worry, but he is saying to not worry. Can, can you ever give someone that advice? You ever, someone in your family or friend, they're stressed about something and you're kind of looking at it going, I know this is gonna work itself out. And so you'll say things to them like, hey, don't worry about it. We say it all the time to people, don't worry about it. Can we not agree that that might be some of the easiest advice to give but the hardest to follow? Come on, let's be real about it. Like worry is something we all carry. Worry is something, in fact, it's interesting as Jesus would write these words 2,000 years ago, he would have no idea that he is speaking right into the very time that we're in right now. I, 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 think, about, uh, I think about the way our, our life, as I look back on life, our world in my lifetime is gonna be divided in pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. It's such a significant thing that we're literally gonna think that way. And, and it's funny how Jesus talks about, don't worry about what you're gonna eat. And we look at that today and we kind of laugh and that's not a big deal. And then you have a pandemic. And, and then all, what Jesus didn't know is there would be other things that we'd worry about. We'd worry about not having enough toilet paper. That was a real thing. History is gonna talk about that. 50 years from now, kids are gonna be in school and they're gonna talk about, there was this pandemic back in the early 21st century and people ran out of toilet paper, it was awful. Or like, like, like we worry about so many things because you go to the grocery store, we saw this and then, and then shelves were empty. And we didn't know where we were gonna get supplies and we see supply chains are all backed up now and, and we see costs going through the roof and gas is going up and construction costs are going through and, and, and we can worry and the economy is unstable. Let's, let's face it. There's a lot in the time in which we live even right now to be worried about. When I think about the world that we're in today, I think that worry is the emotional currency of our world. It really is. In fact, worry and anxiety have been on the rise for the last decade or so, but it took a sharp turn upwards 2020. There was a, a research team out of the University of Queensland in Australia that actually set out to try to um, figure out what kind of increase we've seen of depression and anxiety because of the year 2020. And so they actually did it in a scientific way where they took studies from 48 different, um, 48 different studies all over the globe. Different, this is a, a, a global study they did. And they tried to figure out, if they could, by the numbers, what the increase was of depression and anxiety. And you know what they discovered? They discovered that 2020 caused a massive turn up. Not a little bit, like it was a little bit year over year. It went 
jumped way up. In fact, they found that the rise of depression, the it, depression rose 26% across the globe because of 2020. That's an increase of 53 million more cases of depression. Think about that. That's around the world. Like, this is a big deal. And when they looked at anxiety, they found that anxiety had actually risen 28% in that one year. That is not normal. That's not what the trends had done, which led to 76 million more cases of anxiety in our world because of that one year. So I think we probably all would agree that we're living in a time where worry and anxiety, it is running rampant. It's real. And the truth is, you probably didn't need a study to tell you that. Because my guess is that you feel it. And I feel it. In fact, I'm just curious right now today, just to be real honest, show of hands, how many of you would say you have something that you're worried about right now? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. It's like every hand. I'm looking around. Isn't there every hand? Who doesn't have something that we're worried about? We all have things that we're worried about. And, and can I just confess to you? I've got things that I'm worried about. I worry sometimes about the smallest and the dumbest things. And then I also worry about really big things. I got things that bog my mind and stress my spirit all the time. I, I, I'll just confess to it. I, I worry about I worry every single time I get done preaching and I worry during the week that I'm going to have a message that's going to resonate, that's going to speak to you. I worry every single week about getting some kind of revelation from God to share to you because you guys are demanding and you guys are hard to preach to. And you're like, it better be good and it better speak to me, pastor. And it better, no, you're not like that. But that's the way I feel. I get stressed. Listen, every Sunday, my favorite time of the week is Sunday afternoon. It's because I just got done preaching and I have the longest amount of time before the next message. Monday comes and I'm stressed again. I'm worried that I'm not gonna have something. I worry sometimes that when I do share the gospel that no one's gonna respond. I worry sometimes on Saturday about what I'm gonna wear on Sunday. You all know I've said that before. I'm vain. I'll stand in my closet. Jesus said, don't worry about your clothes. I worry about all the time. I look in the closet. I got nothing to wear. I worry about some stupid stuff. But I also worry about other things. I, I worry in the seat that I'm in that I'm going to make wrong leadership decisions. I worry that I, I'm going to mess up. I worry that I'm going to mess us up. I'm worried that I'm going to, I worry about so many things, just to be honest with you. I mean, can I tell you one of the big worries that I've carried for the last couple of years? Well, I, by faith, God really spoke to me and led our board and our staff to move forward to build this place. And I love this place. This place has given us an ability to do ministry in a way that we have not been able to do ministry. And I'm grateful for what God is doing in this space. And I love that people gave to step into this space. But we took a huge step of faith. And then the pandemic hit. And that made it even worse. And can I just tell you, I worry sometimes, are we going to be able to pay for this place? You know, can I just say something? A lot of people will never say this, but I'm just going to say it. When you walk into a building like this, you go, dang, they must have money. Can I tell you the truth? You walk into a place, you see this, what you can say is, dang, they must have debt. <laughs> That's pretty much true of anybody. You can go in someone's house. You go, gosh, they must have money. Look at this house. They probably tell you, no, we got debt. I, I worry whether or not I've been a good father. I worry. I, can I just tell you? I, I just wanted to confess, this sermon's for me. I don't care if you don't get anything out of it. God had to, God had to deal with me this week. This sermon's mine. Some of you come to me and go, that sermon was for me. No, it isn't. This, this week is for me. You can't have it. I needed it. I needed it because of the 
Can I, can I tell you how God works? This is, this is the way God works. I, I sensed at the beginning of the week, I actually wasn't sure what I was going to preach for this week. Sometimes I know in advance, and sometimes I'm still trying to figure it out on Tuesday. And, and so I wasn't sure what I was going to preach, and I kind of, I really felt in my spirit, I was like, okay, I'm going to preach about worry and anxiety. So I started preparing on Monday. And, um, and then the rest of my week got messed up. Uh, just to give you a backstory. My, my wife's parents, uh, Bob and Denise, some of you know them. They've been a part of this church from the day one. They were, they were here before day one. In fact, they were founding partners and pastors that really helped us launch this church. And um, now they're kind of at a season of life where, you know, they get to kind of enjoy sunshine while we suffer with snow. They're snowbirds. And so they, they would leave after Christmas, and this has kind of been their last few year trend. Then they go to Florida for a couple uh, months, and then they come back. And so they're down in, in Florida, and um, about two weeks ago or so, Bob got covid and um, so they're, they're down in kind of this remote place. And Denise is trying to take care of Bob while he's sick. And, and, and kind of, it's kind of up and down. And, and you know, you, sometimes you get it and it's nothing. And then sometimes you get it and it's something. And so he actually was starting to get worse. And then she got tested and she was positive for it. Um, but the, the whole time his health is kind of starting to decline. And they're not in a place that's good for medical care. They're a thousand miles away from family. She's got it. He's got it. She can't take care of it. Well, like, what are we going to do? And so on Tuesday, we, we made just an executive decision. Sometimes kids have to make an executive decision for the parents. And so we got together, my wife's brother and someone else, and we decided we were going to go get them and bring them up here. And so just this was not planned. But Tuesday, I couldn't get anything done. I'm, you know, trying to figure this out. We rented, or not rented, we borrowed an RV from somebody who's a part of our church who I've, I knew had one, graciously let us um, take his RV down to Florida, which, by the way, this RV was a massive bus. Uh, like, I am not lying when I'm pretty sure you have to have a CDL to drive it. Like, it's a Class A vehicle. I drove it anyways. It was so scary. But... But we drove this thing straight down. We left Tuesday afternoon. We drove all night straight down, trying to take turns, could not sleep, get down there, pack them up, hop back in it. We never turned the RV off and drove all the way back. 40 hours straight. I got four hours of sleep. It was exhausting. It was crazy. It was tiring. But we got them back home. And so we get them back home, and we arrive Thursday morning about 8 or so in the morning. And they kind of get set up in their condo. But by that night, um, he was declining even more. And so uh, Denise, his wife, took him into the ER at the hospital, and they did chest x-rays, and he has COVID in his lungs, and they admitted him into the hospital, and he's on oxygen and all kinds of other medications. And, and the reason why I say that is because I, I want you to know that when Jesus says don't worry, it's hard for me not to worry. I've got worries. Our family has worries. We're worried about him. I know that you have worries and you've got situations. Some of you have family that are in that kind of situation. So I shared this because I want you to know this was, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to preach on worry and not being anxious, but I've got every reason to be worried and, and have anxiety. Our family has this week. And I, I wanted to share it for that reason, but I also wanted to ask that you would join with us and pray for him. Um, if you don't know this, you haven't been around, I, I just want to say this, Bob is like, him and his wife, they were the ones that approached us about starting this church. That if they weren't around, this church probably doesn't exist. 
And so I know you see me up here, and you may not see the, the shoulders of the people that we stand on to be able to do this, but this church exists because of them and their pillars. And so I would just cover, our family would cover your prayers for Bob, and that, that God would heal him and, and that it would turn around. But, but I know this, that, that I've got worries and things, and you've got things to be worried about. It's not just me. I know that you do. Some of you are worried about your money. You're worried about not having enough. And some of you are worried about your kids. You're watching your kid run the wrong direction, hang out with the wrong people. and you, There's nothing it feels like you can do about it. Some of you are worried about the economy. Some of you are worried about losing your job. Some of you have lost your job. You're worried about how you're going to get another job or how you're going to be able to pay the mortgage. Some of you are worried about your health or you're worried about the health of someone you love. All I know is that um, worry seems to be a universal language. It's interesting that Jesus in a different language and 2,000 years separating us with different culture and halfway across the world can share a simple message that would resonate so much with us because worry is a universal language. It's something that we all wrestle with. And that yet Jesus said things like, don't worry about what you're gonna eat. Don't worry about what you're gonna drink. Don't worry about the clothes that you're gonna wear. And I think sometimes I've, I've struggled to really embrace the message that Jesus has. This is sometimes what we do because we get caught up on the, on the method and we miss the heart of the message. See, we live in, a, I mean, we're so blessed here in America. And if you're watching this, you're not in America, and I don't know your situation, but can I just say, at least here in America, where, where we live in a very developed country, and the truth is most of the people that hear me right now, you don't have a, a struggle about whether or not you're going to eat. We don't wonder, am I going to eat? We worry about what am I going to eat. Let's be honest. Some of you, that's going to be the biggest fight you have today. Where do we go get food after we leave church? Some of us, we need to know, we're not worried about whether or not we have clothes to wear, but we do worry when we stand in a closet full of clothes going, I have nothing to wear. And so I think sometimes we can miss the heart of what Jesus is saying. If you don't learn how to pull, you gotta learn how to pull the principle out of the parable. You gotta learn how to pull the concept out of the context. And so when Jesus is talking about those things, if we actually look at the heart of what is really behind all that, what we'll discover is the source of all of this is not food or drink or clothing, but it, at the heart of it is this sense or this feeling that I don't have enough. It's not having enough. I don't have enough time, and I don't have enough money, and I don't have enough opportunity, and I don't know if I'm gonna get this chance, and I don't know. That's the real source of our worry. The worry is not the thing. It's what's actually behind the thing, and we're afraid that we won't have enough. Maybe I wonder if Jesus were here today and we seem to think that it's a supply issue. If I had more money, if I had more time, if I had better health, if I had more opportunities, if they let me do this, if I could do that, then I could get away. I bet if Jesus were here today, he would look at us and he would say, you don't have a supply problem, you have a sight problem. You don't have a supply problem, you actually have a sight problem. Why do I say that? Because Jesus told him, look at the birds. Look at the birds. You're looking at your situation, but look at the, why look at the birds? Every time I read that, though, I'll be, I'll be honest. I'm like, what? Like, why do the birds have anything to do with this? And Jesus is trying to show us something. It's a sight problem. It's a sight problem. He said, look at a little bird. They, they don't sow. They don't plant. 
They don't reap. They don't store away. They don't have an emergency fund. They aren't saving for their kids. They're not, they don't. It's just birds. They're real simple. And yet your heavenly father knows what they need and makes sure that they have it. And Jesus said, if your father in heaven cares that much about a bird, don't you think for one second that he cares even more about you? I'm stressed and I don't know. I know, I know, I know. I know your situation's hard. I know. But don't you think for just one moment, because you know what we feel when we're stressed and we're worried and we're praying and nothing's happened. We're saying, God, where are you? Don't you care? And Jesus said, well, look at the birds for a minute. Look at the flowers of the field. Look at the beauty and everything that God wrapped them in. They, they had nothing to do with that. God cares so much. If God cares about those things, don't you think that God cares about you? And Jesus said, it's not a supply problem when you know the source. But what worry really is, let me just say this. Worry comes, this is what God helped me understand. This. Worry comes from focusing on the resource and not the source. Do you know when you get worried and when I get worried? It's when I start to put my eyes and my perspective on the resource, what I don't have. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't, there's not enough people. There's not enough sales. There's not enough this. We're going to lose our job. We're gonna do this. When I put my eyes and my attention on the resource rather than the source, if we could just embrace this idea that we have a father in heaven that loves and cares about us. It's kind of like my daughters and growing up and one of them's moved out and I still have another one. Not once, do I, I, I mean, you could ask them, but I've, I've never heard it. Not once have they ever wondered, are we gonna eat today? There's some people I know that deal with that, but my daughters haven't had to. Right, because their father has always made sure to take care of them. Or, or, or do I gotta have clothes to wear so I can go to school? They've never asked that question. They might want some different clothes, but they've never asked that question because their father loves them and is going to take care of them. And Jesus says, you're worrying, you're stressed. Have you forgotten about your father? Have you forgotten about the creator? Have you forgotten about the one who actually supplies everything that we need in the first place? And when you take your eyes off of him and you start to put it on the resource that you don't have, that's when worry starts to take over. All of a sudden, here's what happens. When your problem gets bigger, God gets smaller. Let's be honest. When worry gets bigger, God gets smaller. When your problem gets in front of you, you can't see the God above you. And so Jesus says you need to look, 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 look. It's a perspective thing. I was, I was driving back from this trip, and it was, it was like 2.30 in the morning, Thursday morning. And... Um, I was listening to this audio book, just kind of keep me awake while I was driving. That and the two five-hour energy drinks that I took back to back. <laughs> I don't recommend that. You can't imagine me on a five-hour energy drink. I'm just... <laughs> and uh, I was listening to this author. It was just a book, and it wasn't even about any of this. But he said something that grabbed my attention. He said, idolatry is the source of anxiety. And I hit pause on my phone. And I just kept driving in silence after that. I was like, I couldn't hear anymore. And I kept replaying that. Idolatry is the source of anxiety. And then I argued with it. And that's sometimes what we do. I argued with it in my head. I was like, I, I serve God. I know I feel anxious right now about our situation. I don't know what's going to happen. I serve God. I love God. I, I don't worship other gods. I don't. What do you, 
what do you mean idolatry is the source of anxiety? And um, I kind of just, I was like, nah, I, I don't know. I don't know. That sounds good. It preaches well. I don't know if it's true. And then a few hours later, after I got a two-hour power nap and I had a message to put together to share about anxiety, I was looking at Matthew chapter 6, and I'm reading over what Jesus said here. Don't worry about your life and about what you'll eat. No, don't worry about it. I'm reading over it. And then I saw it. I don't know why I didn't notice this. And the thought occurred to me, you know, sometimes we can, we can miss things when we look in our Bible and we've had translators who will put them into chapters and verses and put little subheadings over them. And so I'm looking at this section that says, don't worry, and it starts in Matthew 6, 25, and I'm reading that. And, and then I, I caught something again when I went back to it in verse 25. Let me, let me show you this. Let me show you this. Verse 25. He said this, therefore, do not worry about your life. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And I was, I was looking at that line, and I remembered something that I learned when I was in Bible college. I learned something about the word therefore. Therefore. This will help you. If you don't know this little, little, little trick, whenever you see the word therefore in your Bible, you should always ask, what's it? Therefore. That'll help you. So whenever you see a therefore, you ask the question, what's it there for? And in order to get the, the, the full context, you'll have to back up. Now, now, my Bible had it broken in sections, and so the, the, the translators didn't want me to see something that Jesus needed me to see. And so I had to back up because Jesus didn't preach in just chapter and verse. You know that, right? That came later. And I, I looked at verse 24. Let me give it to you because you might miss it if you just read the section about worry. Matthew 6, verse 24 says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Oh, and I got it. Maybe idolatry is the source of anxiety. Maybe the moment I take God off the throne as my provider, as my healer, as the, the God Almighty, the moment I take him off and I set my problem in its place, maybe that's what's happening when worry begins to take over my life. And so here we are, I say this moment where, where I'm looking at this and it says, hey, you, you only can serve one or two masters. You either serve God or you could serve money. Some of you go, I don't serve money. That's fine, you may not, but others do. Can I just tell you something? If money is the thing you chase after, guess what you're gonna worry about? If success is the thing that you're running after in this life, guess what you're gonna be worried about? Success, if achievement is what you're giving your life to, I'm gonna achieve this and reach this place and I'm gonna make this much money. And we're gonna, if achievement is what you're running to, guess what you're gonna worry about? You're gonna worry about whether or not you've achieved enough. And so maybe worry is not just a product of our situation, maybe it's also a product of our worship. So he says, do not worry, do not worry. I wanted to say something about anxiety and worry, but I was, I was wanting to be real cautious. Because I, I feel like today, when I look around in our culture, I see it, it has become so prevalent. 
we talk about it, and we talk about a lot of things regarding mental health and anxiety and other things, and I think it's great that we do. I really do. And I want to say something about being filled with worry and being anxious, but let me, let me first um, preface this. I know that there are situations that some of you, maybe many of you, that you battle with what I want to say a severe form of anxiety, like, like clinically diagnosed versions of anxiety that some of you have dealt with massive panic attacks. And, and can I just say those are real, and I've had panic attacks where your emotional state is so overwhelmed that you really almost don't have control. And some of you have, have dealt with that. And can I just say my heart goes out. Like there, there are people who deal with this to a whole different level than kind of what I'm talking about here today. And I want to just say, if that's you, use every tool available to you. What, what are those things available to you? Can I just suggest a few? Meditation on Scripture. See, counselors will tell you mindfulness. Mindfulness is good as well. But can I tell you something that's the next level up, it's better, is actually setting your mind on something that will give life to you. Meditating on scripture, prayer, talking to a counselor, maybe even medication. Good. If you have a severe level clinical, okay, then you should do that. But can I just say beyond that, there is this spirit of worry and anxiety, anxious thoughts that permeates our culture today so much. And then you add to it what we've gone through it that my fear is that we're normalizing it. Well, everybody's worried. Well, everybody's anxious. Everybody feels this. And, and my, my fear is that we, we've so normalized it that it's expected that's how you live. And I'm wondering if Jesus were here, be here today, he would say, no, there is a different way to live. There's a different way. And my, my, my fear, worry, is that the generation that is coming up right now that has gone through so much, when you talk about devices in their hands and social media and the cultural wars and the pandemic, that my, my, my fear a little bit for that generation is that they're going to think this is how it always is. That I just always live anxious and I always live worried and I always live stressed. And I think if Jesus were to show up, he would say, no, there's a better way to live. There's a way to live where you don't have worry on the throne, but I'm on the throne. And yes, you might go through some things, but you don't have to live like the rest of the world because you have a father. See, it's different when you know your father. It's different when you know that you, it's different when you know the source See, the resource could be dwindling, but when you know the source that can replenish the resource, you don't have to freak out about the resource because you know the source. Are you hearing me today? Are you hearing me? See, see Jesus knew this. That's why, that's why he said something really powerful in verse 32. I haven't read that for you yet. But in verse 32 of Matthew 6, here's what Jesus said. He said, for the pagans, the pagans run after all these things. And your, your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now, uh, pagan sometimes seems like such a negative word. Oh, that person's a pagan, like they're, they're an evil person. Do you know what a pagan means? It's someone who just simply doesn't believe. It's someone who doesn't have faith. It's someone who doesn't know God. And he said, people that don't have access to the source, they live worried and stressed about their resource all the time but not you because if you know if you have a heavenly father and you know that 
who loves you and cares for you, then you don't have to live like everybody else. I just reject this idea that we just have to, we're just gonna have to make it through this life. We're gonna be stressed and worried and anxious all the time. And I just, I'm not sure that's what God intends for us. I'm not sure that's what the world should see in us. There's a quote by a pastor. He pastors a church in D.C., Ben Stewart. And I just love this quote. He said, the world will not be impressed if we preach a prince of peace, but live a life of stress. Why would the world look at us and think anything's different about them when we operate the same frequency that they do when it comes to worry and stress? No, no wonder they, they don't look at us and go, I want that. But imagine if you could be walking through, your family walking through something really hard, and they know it, but somehow they see a grace over your life, and they see a peace. And for some reason, you're still able to have a smile on your face when you go to work. And for some reason, you still have hope in your voice when you speak to them. Do you know what that says to people? If they can go through that and somehow still have that, my gosh, I want what they have. So there's something about being different that matters. And so Jesus, he, he gives us a key. It's not just enough. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, don't worry about it. That's easy to say, but it's hard to live. But Jesus then gives us a way to do that in verse 33. Verse 33, Jesus said this, but seek first. Everybody say first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. I love that. Tomorrow's got it. I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. It's got its own trouble. But can I just tell you this? If we live with worry about tomorrow, it'll rob us of peace for today. And, and so he says that, you wanna know the key? Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. Now, I gotta be honest. I've, I've heard this verse so many times. This is a Jesus top 10. This is, this is, uh, this is coffee mug worthy. This is t-shirt worthy. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. We quote it all the time and we want God to give us a new car and all this good stuff. But I think at the heart of this, what Jesus is getting at is there's an alignment issue when worry has control of you. There's an alignment issue. What, what's he saying? What's he saying? There's one phrase. I want to give you this phrase. that this, is, this, this became kind of my mantra. This became something I had to hold on to this week. And, and maybe this is going to be something that in the moment worry starts to well up inside of you. Maybe something you're dealing with this week, you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to quote this back. And it's this thought. To put worry in its place, you have to put God in his place. To put worry in its place, you have to put God in his place. In other words, if I'm gonna tell worry where it can go, I've gotta allow God to get back up on the throne. If, I, if I'm gonna live my life in a way that I'm gonna be able to walk through difficult situations, and it doesn't mean that the situation's automatically gonna be better. Please don't hear that. Because we, you, we walk through stuff that's hard all the time, and sometimes it doesn't pan out the way we want it to pan out. But the difference is how we walk through it. We walk through it with the presence of Jesus. We walk through it with a different hope inside of us. And so Jesus said, here's the key. Seek first his kingdom. 
and his righteousness. Now, I, I, I wrestled with that because I've heard it so many times. And I, and I said, God, how do I do that, though? I mean, I, I really, I mean I'm at church and I'm, I'm serving. Like, how do I practically do that? And I felt like the Spirit of God spoke something to me. And maybe this is just for me. But I just sensed God speaking to me. And he said, what if you put my kingdom first in the area of your worry? So if you're worried that you don't have enough time, here's what you do. You put God first in your day. I've been stressed sometimes that I'm running out. I was running out of time to get this message because I had three and a half days that I wasn't able to work on. I'm so stressed. But you know what I found? If I will prioritize reading scripture and prayer, you know what I found sometimes? God will bless my efforts after that. There's a principle here that is so important. That's what I think God wants us to see. And how, how would I deal with worry? I, what if I applied that in the area of my worry? If you don't feel like you have enough money, oh, this will be a big challenge. What if you put God first in your finances? What if you honored him with a tithe? What if you said, God, I don't know if I have enough, but I'm gonna trust you because I'm going to the source and I'm not gonna try to hold on to what I don't have in the resource. And if you did that, guess what you might experience? The blessing of God in your finances. So all of a sudden he multiplies what you have. I'm just telling you, there's, there's a principle here and it applies to worry. I'm worried about my job and I'm worried about, you know, I've, I'm working so hard and I just don't get seen and I don't get noticed and I don't have this and I don't have influence and I don't have this. How about this? Stop striving for those things and just say, I want to bring God's kingdom to my, my workplace and you just start to minister to other people and you show them who Jesus is and then watch what God does when he highlights you. How, how do I deal with my worry? I, I put God first in the area of my worry and then here's what happens. God's blessings flow when we seek after him first. So I don't know what you're wrestling with and it might be really rough. And I, I don't wanna stand up here and just say, don't worry, but I'm, I'm gonna utter the words of Jesus and say, don't worry. But I wanna say, that's because I trust in my, my God, my Father, that he is my provider. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? I, I just really, I sense that maybe today that, that we're carrying some things that God wants us to release to him. And so I wanna, I wanna invite, maybe you just close your eyes and just in a, we're gonna have a moment here. I don't wanna rush this moment because I know that so many of you are carrying burdens. You're carrying worries. But I also know that your God wants to, he wants to carry those with you. And so Father, I pray right now for every situation that is represented in this room. Every situation of the person that is watching this, maybe on YouTube or listening on podcast. God, I pray right now that you would give us the strength to release to you our worry. And I know that doesn't mean that my situation isn't serious. I know that doesn't mean that everything's gonna be okay. But I do know that God, I don't have to walk it alone. Jesus, you, you said that we are to come to you. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and carrying a heaven, heavy burden and I will give you rest. God's word says, cast your anxieties on him for he cares for you. 
And so I wanna do that right now in this moment. Today, if you've got something that is weighing on your heart, if you've got a worry that has flooded your mind, if maybe something you're walking through, and I wanna, we're gonna do something practical. I wanna ask you just to take your hands and turn your palms up and open your hands to heaven as a sign to say, today I'm releasing it to you, God. I'm releasing it. Just open your hands if that's you. Just say, God, I'm releasing every hands everywhere. Just say, God, I'm surrendering my worry to you. God, I am surrendering it to you in the name of Jesus. God, we just give these things to you. God, I just lay them at your feet today. God, I just pray that you would just come and take the things that are worry and stress over my spirit. And I pray, God, that you would in exchange, that God, you would give me peace. That God, you would give me your grace. That God, you would give me the thing that I need. God, that I would know your presence is with me. That God, I would have hope in my situation. Today, God, we release the word. Today we release the stress to you. God, we choose right now in this moment to turn our eyes to heaven, to look up, to see you, God, not our problem. God, we just put our heart and our attention and our worship on you today, God. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you, and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church, or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.